The following presentation is brought to you through the power of science. Shiny. Welcome to Generations Geek, a more or less family-friendly celebration of all that is geeky. I'm science fiction writer Scott Pearson, and along with my daughter Ella, we are two generations of geek. This is episode 53, Return to Ragnarok. This is our lost episode. We recorded it in the middle of the night as soon as we got home from seeing the movie back in November 2017. We meant to catch up on our sleep and then record our final thoughts, but for various reasons, we returned to our multi-part alien retrospective first, and then, well, kind of forgot we'd recorded this. So now, let's return to Ragnarok. Remember, you can find us online at generationsgeek.com, including blog posts from me and handy links to all our episodes. Plus, check out the Generations Geek Instagram, featuring Ella's geeky adventures. Now, on with the show. <laughs> we have no idea how we're starting. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Thor, Ragnarok, first impressions. Very good. <laughs> Did you want to elaborate or? Yes, I will elaborate. So we saw it the first night we were able to, which was the Thursday night before the actual release. <laughs> I always feel fancy going to quote early premieres, unquote, even though it's like <laughs> it's just every time a movie comes out, you can go Thursday night instead of Friday. But when we went, it was still at a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, which made it the highest rated superhero movie all year ahead of one or ahead of everything else. It's now at 93, which I think might still be the highest, but that makes it only 1% instead of Wonder Woman instead of 4, um, <laughs> which I still don't know if I agree with that, but why I was getting into the ratings is because the day we went to Saw It, that was buzzing all around the internet that it was at 96%, and I was like, whoa, this movie must be the best Marvel movie ever made <laughs> um, because I'm very easily swayed. And so when I went in, I was like, this is going to be the best Marvel movie ever made. And I was very slightly let down, but I still thought it was really, really good. And I love it. I like so much. And it's amazing. I can't wait to watch it over and over and over again. Um, I think it's my favorite of the Thor movies. Yeah. I think it's pretty easily. For the sure. The Thor. Because the first Thor is like fun. It's whatever. But origin stories are always a little slower. Yep. Thor the Dark World is just confusing. <laughs> yeah, that one didn't quite come together. It was fun, but it, the tones didn't match. It was, yeah, it yeah, was yeah. whatever. But Ragnarok was interesting. My my first impression is, is similar to yours. Not exactly. I hadn't been paying attention to Rotten Tomatoes or anything. So I just went, I went in with a pretty open mind and knew it was going to be kind of funny, but I had no idea it was going to be as funny as it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A complete comedy. And yeah, because it really is a comedy with dramatic elements as opposed to a drama with comedic elements. You know, they kind of, in, they really inverted it. I mean, all the Marvel movies have a certain amount of snarky humor to them. Uh, not all of them. I mean, some of the ones that have, you know, one of my favorites, Winter Soldier, is one of the ones that has Ooh. the least amount of that kind of... Winter Soldier, yeah. You know. And so, but I think it's great as they make more and more... I mean, we're already at what? There's already 400 Marvel movies, and they have 1,500 more planned? Yes. Yes, those are the exact numbers. Uh, they really do need to balance having 
straighter dramas, having more comedies, having more... I think they really have to play with with the tone across the board. That's one of the reasons why Ant-Man, I thought, was so enjoyable. Because I was going to say, the only other Marvel movie I can think of that might be as funny as this is Ant-Man. And yeah. I don't think... And, and in no way is Ant-Man a straight comedy because of all the stuff with his daughter. There's so yeah. much actual like drama and you're just feeling so much for that yeah. character in that movie that even though... He's consistently just hysterical, and Paul Rudd is amazing. Yeah, well, it's I think just, it's not the same. Yeah, with the casting of Paul Rudd, I think they were, <laughs> they were going for a movie that was they were going to pump up the comedic elements. Yeah, uh, and now with Thor, they the, just I think really... also the only line I remember from Ant Man is when is at the beginning when he walks out of his bedroom and his woman goes. What's up, Scott? You want some waffles? But he goes like, waffles? <laughs> and now every time I think about waffles, I'm like, ooh, I need some waffles. So, back to Thor. Well, so the most recent Marvel movie other than this was uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, which also is not a complete comedy, although very funny and very amazing. Then before um, Spider-Man Homecoming was... I can't remember these things. Anyways, here's my problem. Ultron... Uh, you know, on the scale of if you're rating the Marvel movies. <laughs> that wouldn't be near the bottom for me. I think it would be at the bottom. I think I prefer the Incredible Hulk with not Mark Ruffalo over... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> over Age of Ultron, like, <laughs> for sure. And I was really impressed with Spider-Man Homecoming, Um, but I think the reason why Thor got those amazing reviews right off the bat is because... Nobody expected to go into a Marvel movie and be, like, actually laughing that hard the entire time. <laughs> like, I missed I missed lines because I was losing it. Which is so great because, like, you laugh during a Marvel movie and, like, every once in a while you get a bit where, like, you laugh. But, like, never seeing a Marvel movie premiere in a the theater before do I remember, like, laughing this hard. Yeah. Well, and, and they were able to take these characters and reinvent them in a way and yet they don't really feel like they've betrayed the earlier well that's what i wanted to talk about though i thought is because one of the only criticisms that i'll make which then immediately turns into a compliment right afterwards <laughs> um is especially in the beginning scene when thor is still in the chains mm -hmm. and he's being kind of like funny mm -hmm. um Maybe it's just because it was the opening scene, and so it was very, like, like sudden. Like, all of a sudden, this is sort of, like, a different Thor than we've seen before. Mm -hmm. That scene especially felt out of character for me. Mm -hmm. And I, what I heard in that scene wasn't, like, Thor being funny. It was, like, Chris Hemsworth improvising to make Thor funny, and it wasn't working for me. However... That's fair. It was pretty much just that scene. And then very quickly, like... That's what I was thinking during that scene is, like, this isn't what Thor sounds like. And then later on, when Thor was being funny, I was like, this is hilarious. <laughs> Look at how much Thor has changed. This development is amazing. And I think that in the later scenes, it's much more a continuation of what we've seen of his character progression. Mm -hmm. um, because, like, he was last in Age of Ultron. He's funny in Age of Ultron. He's funny in pretty much every other movie besides Thor. In Thor, he's funny because he doesn't know what he's doing and he, like, throws mugs at the ground mm -hmm. and sounds like he's from, you know, the Middle Ages. Um, 
but in the rest of the movies he starts being funny because he's being himself there's a bit in um the dark world that i really like that i've seen other, other people talk about too where um darcy goes running up to him uh when he first comes back to earth and is like yeah, how's space and he's just like space is fine you know like <laughs> and it's so funny because like Obviously, at this point, he knows, like, sort of who Darcy is as a person. Like, Darcy's gonna kind of mess with him. She's gonna, like, oversimplify things. Um, and he knows that. And he's funny back. Mm-hmm. I think you could maybe even argue that when um, they go back to her apartment and he hangs he hangs Mjolnir on the coat hook. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that you could argue that he's being kind of funny there. Because he walks in, he sees these he sees these hooks. And, like, Darcy takes off her coat and puts it on there. And he's just kind of like... <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I also think that in the opening scene in The Chains, mm-hmm. I get what you're saying, but some of the the way that he's kind of toying with the... Uh, the ball ...demon rock. <laughs> thing that I can't yeah, remember, it's kind of coming out of that same pomposity that he has about himself that, like, in the first film... Yeah. It was completely straight. He's being a yeah. He's being a straight up jerk in Thor. But you know he he he's the god of thunder. He has reason to be to think a lot of himself. Yeah, yeah. When it comes to like fighting someone, so even though he's in the chains and he's facing up against this thing, he's making light of it. And well, like, he's he, also he he's has, not just because he's got a plan. Yeah, and he also just has no doubt that he'll be able to do it because he is who he is. And and he knows Mjolnir and, will come. Yeah, and so hint, hint. even though it's played more for laughs, that for me is is why it um, uh, sort of stays in touch with the original character, even though it's shifted it. That's interesting. I didn't think about how um, in that scene he could be like he's being this mixture of like his old self and how he is now. How he's more comedic intentionally as opposed to being comedic because he's being an idiot mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah well obvi- i mean i can't wait to see it again obviously I'll, I'll be thinking about that next time i watch that scene yeah and, and similarly now i'm thinking like i kind of do want to see the first movies and see what i think if i watched them in in, in you know close by watching ragnarok again if I would have that same sense that, yes, this progression makes sense to me. Well, and then also there's the bits in all the other, you know, in Avengers and in Age of Ultron yeah, and then the in and uh, Civil War. <laughs> like, and I the don't thing feel about, like I have the time to watch them all again. The thing about the, thing. the, yeah, well, and I guess it's mostly because we're huge nerds, but it's like, I would like to just watch, you're going to have a movie marathon, all three Thor movies, great. But the problem with watching all three Thor movies is that you miss... The character development that yeah. you see in the Avengers and you that see in Captain in America, yeah, um, which obviously I love the MCU more than anything, but um, well, not more than anything, but <laughs> more than most things, <laughs> and um, I love that it's so intricate. But at the same time, it's like I would like to watch two movies in a row <laughs> and be able to tell what's going on. But <laughs> what are you gonna do? <laughs> okay, so. Those were our prolonged first impressions. It kind of went beyond the first impressions there. We obviously both really, really enjoyed the film. Shall we dig a little deeper into some of the elements of it? Uh, 
that made it so enjoyable? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's. I think one of the things that was kind of fun, even though I missed a lot of them, <laughs> were the cameos. <laughs> and the only one right that, at the beginning in the in Loki's play. Yeah, and the one that the the only one that I really caught was uh, Matt Damon mm-hmm. playing Loki, which was hilarious. It's so funny because it comes out of nowhere. Yeah, but then it turns out that Sam Neill played. Odin in the play. Who was Dr. Grant in Jurassic Park. Yes. And then you um, mentioned... My who, one true love. Who was it that Since played... Since Ellie left him. <laughs> who, Come at me. <laughs> who was it that played Thor? It was the oldest Hemsworth, which is Luke. Were there more? I don't think so. So the cameos themselves were fun. And that scene was very funny, but it was also very character driven because you were given this mock situation <laughs> like Loki casted in, them and yeah, wrote that's the play entirely himself. from Loki's perspective. And Which is hilarious. Like it's honestly, hilarious. like he's pretending to be Odin but at the same time he's like, Alright, I'm gonna write this like bad play so I can watch them pretend to be Thor, pretend to be an idiot. Like <laughs> Yeah, it's so the bit where he's like, Sif, like, help. And she goes, <laughs> help and like <laughs> runs away it's like so loki like <laughs> yeah and and then the the actor that plays odin him pretending to be loki pretending to be odin is so funny <laughs> so let's talk about loki after this movie i think like i think loki is my favorite character in the entire mcu and i know that he's a villain but I think that he's my favorite. Yeah, it's it's so weird because he's done truly horrible things, but you can't help but like him. I mean, a lot of it that comes from the performance from Tom Hiddleston, but <laughs> also just, you know, he's he's a trickster. He's supposed to be charming and kind of funny and you never know what what, you know, well, and he also, what he's going to do. You feel so much sympathy for him. Yeah, when the, um, with his... just because of his childhood and like his heritage and just like the way Odin sometimes treats him, the way Thor makes him feel even though Thor obviously loves him so much. Yeah. Amazing. But yeah, they do some great well, even in this film there's a lot that plays off the, so much, the brotherly So many little shots, so many little lines. Yeah. We got so many more lines just talking about their childhood than I think we've ever had, even in Thor, when we had a literal flashback to when they were kids. <laughs> well, well, let's talk about some of the actors, some of the other <laughs> actors. For me, Jeff Goldblum... Oh, my God. ...was a standout, because they just let him... Well, I said this right away as we were leaving the theater, I think, where I just thought... Uh, Taika's direction to Goldblum was probably just, just Goldblum it, baby. Goldblum it up. <laughs> just go all the way, Jeff, buddy. Needs more Goldblum, you know? Just... You just have to add the New Zealand accent, and then it's <laughs> spot on. I didn't feel brave enough to attempt a New Zealand accent. Nobody does. It's so tricky. You just sound Australian. Because, yeah, it's so, <laughs> there's a difference and it's hard. I mean, there's unless a, there's you're really, a quote, difference, unless unquote. you're really practiced, <laughs> you can lose it and just sound like an Aussie. The and, Kiwis are going to come and for And then us. the Kiwis are going to come for you because you do not want to mix up the Kiwis and the Aussies. That's a whole situation there. It's a whole thing. Anyways, um, um, let's go back to Loki. <laughs> just well, kidding. We can, <laughs> we, we can keep going. <laughs> Well, I think we should give a, a shout out to the Valkyrie. So we have mm. a, a new character. 
a new character. Not only is she a new character, it's um a one a woman of color in what would have traditionally been for you know white blonde hair blue eyes yeah yeah did you have any feelings about them like because valkyries are like a thing in norse mythology and i know this for a reason that i will confess in a few minutes but i felt like some people and me a little bit but just because i wanted more from them because i know who they are so like by the way asgard has this elite team of female warriors but they're all dead well, be, but because of Hela. Because of Hela. At Hela's hand. You're at Hela's hand, but who is did the, you Who is like feel... the goddess of death, isn't yes, she? Yes, yeah. So... Did you feel... <laughs> no, I'm not saying that there's like a plot hole in them all mm-hmm. being dead. I'm saying, did you feel like you wanted more from that? Or did you feel like they could have used that, the Valkyrie concept in a different ah, way? I didn't... By the way, whenever I see, whenever I say I saw stuff about it online, I mean that I read posts about it on Tumblr. So this isn't like <laughs> this might not be an actual big thing, but because of the people I follow on Tumblr, I saw some people saying this that they wanted more. I no, I didn't really, and and and, but here's the thing: I think I could say that it would be interesting to see more of the Marvel take on Valkyrie in the right film. Yes, but. The way it was handled in this film, I was satisfied that w- w- because it's very interesting that you meet this woman and it turns out that she's like the last of the Valkyrie. And so there's a drama to that backstory. And then you get this great snippet of a flashback to that the was horrific beautiful. battle. Talk about done... a stylization of a movie. You have to stop me if I, if I sound ridiculous because I started, I have a cinema class this semester, um, listeners, and ever since I started my cinema class, I'm like, oh my gosh, talk about an eyeline match. Talk about a shot reverse <laughs> shot. Are you kidding? <laughs> Anyways, <continue>. Everyone <laughs> who takes a film class goes through that my phase. My first film class, like, oh my god, look at that eyeline really... match. I'm such a, I sit in the back row, but then my professor will be like, this island match is so interesting because you see that they're they're looking at each other, but she's trying to avoid his gaze. So okay. it's an island match, but they're not actually looking at each other. And I'm sitting in the back like, oh my god. Okay, now parenthetically. <laughs> parenthetically, now that you have the terminology, that now I... <laughs> now that you've now that you've discussed eyelines and stuff in films. Now, think back. Do you remember how much I went nuts for where Holtzman would be looking in unexpected directions during shots in Ghostbusters? Oh, my God! Okay, so now think about your professor talking about crazy cinema eyeline stuff <laughs> and think about how I was just going crazy in where Ghostbusters. Is she where is she looking? What's she looking Why? At? Who would look in that direction right. while saying You're that? Right. I love it. I love it. It's like every... Kate McKinnon's choice. I don't know if they rehearsed the directors, but it's like it's watch. Kate. It's Kate. Watch Ghostbusters again, and watch Kate. Watch Holtzman when she's in, even when when she's in the background, and watch where she's looking. <laughs> and it's always like the strangest directions, and yet somehow so perfectly funny for just undefinable reasons. It's literally, it's so funny, and it's like it's like what I do when I get like distracted. Or when, like, I don't even know. I just... <laughs> Anyways. 
Anyways. We can have a different episode on how much of a nerd I am and how I didn't think I could be any nerdier. And I took my <laughs> first film class, like Cinema 101, and I'm like, <laughs> my mind is blown. Okay. Uh, so Valkyrie. Yeah, that scene was done in this very, like, classic painterly kind of fashion. And it was gorgeous. And, and, and. Painterly is an adjective I'm going to use in every sentence. From well, there now you go. On. You can roll that out in film class. Oh my God. My, Michelle would lose her mind. That's my professor. Yeah, we, we had one of our patented <laughs> digressions there. But what I was, what I was getting was at was, was, was that between her backstory and getting that glimpse in this film, I was satisfied with what I got of the Valkyrie. Okay. But it does make one wonder about well what what went on back in the day when you know before yeah. hell wiped them all out and uh, you know you, you, it, and it kind of evokes the uh, amazon of uh, wonder woman oh absolutely i didn't even think about that if you watch thor ragnarok and you think i feel like i needed more valkyrie you just go and watch wonder woman again and there you go mm-hmm. <laughs> you're right okay now i'm going to confess why I knew who the Valkyrie were, both because it affected the way I viewed the film the first time and because I think it's going to be downright hilarious. I have one Marvel fanfiction on my laptop that that is mine <laughs> that I write. And guess what? My OC is a Valkyrie. <laughs> and so imagine me, I'm sitting there, and this is me and... It's a, by the way, it's a big deal that I'm talking about this on the podcast because my, like, I don't really intend to ever publish anything that I write online. I just kind of do it. And most Mm -hmm. of it is like, I read something and I'm like, I can write that better. And then obviously I can't post it because I'm literally just copying somebody else. Um, and I just do it to (laughs) entertain (laughs) myself. But so, and it's like. That's good practice for writing though. Yeah. It's like. It's long. And when I write stuff, I don't write like, oh, here's one chapter, the next chapter. I just write when I think of ideas. I just go in and like hit return two times. And so you'll, I'll have like a paragraph that's from Thor. And then the next one is from like Avengers or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, But so it's like, it's long. Now think about me. I'm sitting in the theater. I've been writing this Valkyrie fan fiction since I was like 15 or whenever the first Thor movie <laughs> came out. Okay. Whenever Avengers came out, I think, is more accurate. Um, that I've never shown to anybody else in my life. <laughs> and then Thor is talking to her through the cage. <laughs> and he goes, you're a Valkyrie. <laughs> like, I lost my mind. And then it's a thing through the whole movie. And sitting there, and I'm like, I have to rewrite <laughs> everything to match canon. Not like anyone's ever going to read it but me. <laughs> but I have to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, and she's different in when I, when I was doing my research for my fan fiction, okay? I was reading about Norse mythology and the Valkyrie weren't like warriors per se. It's an interesting step to take and I'm like fully on board. Fully on board. Like they were like like they could fight obviously. Anyways, they like chose who died on the battlefields is my like very simple understanding i just think it's it's super cool and really interesting how they go from like they're basically angels they they ride winged horses 
they take care of, like, Valhalla to a certain extent was my other understanding. So, like, that's where, like, all the warriors go and they die. So, mm-hmm. like, they're like, you're gonna die. And then it's like, but don't worry, because I'll take care of you in Valhalla, which is basically just a big pub, so it's chill. Witness! <laughs> I was spraying chrome paint on my... <laughs> Witness! Bala. Anyways, um, so if you ever want to just fall into, like... A Wikipedia hole, <laughs> an internet hole. Start reading about Valkyries, and then just think about like fifteen-year-old me sitting in my room, like mm, this is gonna be great. No one's ever done this before. <laughs> well, we we were talking about this before we started recording the show, but we were reading articles about the Maori influence on the movie through Taika, and the indigenous influence on the movie because it was filmed in Australia. And Taika, he's he's woke, let's say. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, is it the Valkyries ship that has the... So, uh, there's all kinds of call-outs to, like, um, Aboriginal flags. Um, I was reading about how he had, um, he contacted the tribes in the areas that they were filming to come and, like, do, like, these welcome ceremonies, which I know they did for when Lord of the Rings was filming in mm-hmm. um, New Zealand. And I've seen, because I've seen all of the extras on all of our Lord of the Rings DVDs, and so I watch those, and it's just so cool. And the way um, Taika feels this responsibility to make sure that he's paying so much respect to the people whose land they're using, I think is really, really amazing and something you don't see in any other director. And then, um, well, and he also, he had, um, indigenous filmmakers that he had on set all the time. And well, maybe not all the time, but, you know, he had some indigenous filmmakers on set. And that's so cool. Yeah. He really makes an effort to do a lot of really cool culturally related yeah. things. And, and, and representation and inclusivity and, and all that great stuff. So he's really quite a fascinating guy. Uh, brings and a lot. He's, he's so talented. Yeah, because and he's just an actor. Honestly, funny. Yeah, he's an actor as well. Yeah, and he likes to be. He voiced um, in his movies. Korg. Yeah, he played the the big rock. He played guy Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> on the one hand, was a very sort of comic relief kind of character, but on the other hand, was actually representing. It's like he was representing all these poor sort of migrant people that have been thrown into uh, the, the the fight by uh, the Grand Master. Yeah, well, and then I was also... One other thing is that I was reading about how... And I'm not going to pretend like I know anything about this at all, but um, I was reading about how Taika, in all of his work, he has this influence on his humor that's apparently, like, very Maori, very New Zealand, very, like, Aussie, like, all this stuff, and... Like I said, I'm not going to pretend like I know anything about that. I have never been to Australia. I've never been to New Zealand. (laughs) But that's super cool because, especially when you're seeing movies in Hollywood um, that are maybe, uh, even if they're not made in the U.S., they're Hollywood movies. Mm -hmm. That's not something you really see unless you go out and you try to watch a foreign movie. Which I think is, like, I mean, obviously that needs to change. There's, we won't get into, (laughs) we won't get into the race problems in Hollywood, but... (laughs) Taika's Taika's on the way. (laughs) I need to read more about that because I saw something about that too referring to uh, 
the uh, humor being influenced from his uh, upbringing and his ethnicity and yeah. stuff. And I'm I'm interested to see what they say are those elements because to me it was just comedy. <laughs> there was, you know, there was nothing that struck me as being, you know, you know what I mean? No, it yeah, was just, no, it was just it's, all it's very, funny. No, it's still it, very funny. And it didn't seem the, like there was anything that seemed outside of my no, yeah. You know, I agree that it's, it's not like so I'm, outside, I'm very, but I'm very curious to to know what what you know what he would identify personally as. This is coming from a yeah, Maori coming from comedic his background. Thing. Yeah, yeah. The article I was reading, reading was just saying that like all the deadpan stuff, the humor that makes fun of somebody's ego is apparently very oh. Maori. That I just read one article that's what they were saying that some like humor is rooted in like. Oh, you think you know more? You think you're smarter? Mm-hmm. And so, like, somebody pokes funny, which is obviously like very Thor, <laughs> saying that he's stronger than the Hulk. Like, oh, oh, yeah. oh, it was a tie. Like, we we tied. Um, or like, I won. <laughs> also, just his name, like Taika Waititi. Like, get it? Like, find a cooler name. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's. Uh, we haven't discussed Banner and the Hulk. Okay, I. Love Mark Ruffalo. Yes. He plays a very good Hulk. Yes, he does. I, I really liked Ed Norton's take in the uh, mm-hmm. in the original film, but I think it was a good choice for them to recast into this ensemble. Well, and everyone loves Mark Ruffalo. 13 going on 30, etc. <laughs> <laughs> I could have done without the Hulk in this movie. Or, here's the thing, the bit with the Hulk, like, bursting out of the side of the stadium mm-hmm. was in every trailer. Like, every single one. The Hulk was in every single trailer. Which, like, makes sense from just, like, looking at the movie as a whole and then making a trailer. But it takes away so much from the movie, I think, when his entrance isn't a surprise. Because then all the humor in that scene is rooted in, oh, Thor's surprised because it's the Hulk. Loki's surprised because it's the Hulk. Like, who knew? And I don't know if you noticed this, but when we were in the movie theater, I was thinking about this as this scene was rolling out. And throughout the entire rest of the movie, people were laughing so hard. People were, like, yelling at the screen. Like, people were so into it. Mm -hmm. And in this scene, the audience was quiet. And it's because everyone had seen that for the past yeah. year and a half. Every time they went to see another movie, every time they heard anything about Thor Ragnarok, it was always this scene with the Hulk. And I just wish that they had let that be a surprise because imagine how you would have felt <laughs> if it's like leading up to this huge scene where you don't know who it's going to be and you're worried Thor is going to get, you know, the bejesus beaten out of him. And then it's the Hulk. And then Thor's like, I know him from work. Like... It would have been the first trailer times like one thousand if you had gone gone into the theater and seen that then. Yeah, but I yeah. <laughs> Here's, I, I'll I, just I'm, say... I'm just kind of shrugging it off because yeah. it's like It's that... very nitpicky. Well, no, it's it's just that the nature of trailers and how movies are marketed is such that Yeah. There's always going to be stuff. You can't really, yeah. There's you like that's going to be robbed of a little that. bit of yeah. momentum well, by I, being in the trailer, especially usually, from a modern perspective. Yeah, well, I say that because if you watch old movies, uh, uh, and, and I know you do, but I'm mean, I'm talking like if you go back to like the 40s and 50s and stuff, and if 
if there's an extra on your DVD where you can watch the original trailer, <laughs> back in the day, they would just like tell the whole story practically. Yeah. They'd be showing scenes from throughout the movie. The the voiceover narration is is like telling yeah, you the you whole know, thing. Yeah, you know, like the beginning, the middle, and the ending, and then you go it, to see the in between. <laughs> yeah, and and we have uh, over the last several years, particularly. Uh, we have like swung this other way where where it's like no spoilers no spoilers you can't tell me anything you can't tell me anything and i'm i'm kind of i have mixed feelings about it because on the one hand i do try to go into a movie as blank as possible yeah. um but then there's the uh the counterpoint is that if the film is well made it should still get you yeah and this is why films can be watched over and over and over again because obviously when you watch a movie for a second time you do know everything that happens but there can still be that same level of enjoyment and so I think that although I acknowledge that that scene was perhaps overplayed in the trailers that the structure of that scene as written and directed yeah. uh, fantastic perfect builds up to you know it, it's it's great it's a the great shots, scene the wide shots on um, Loki and the Grandmaster on that long couch. <laughs> Hysterical. And obviously, like, that comment is not really about the movie. It's more about, like, their choice on how to market it. Which yeah. is different than critiquing the movie and the actual appearance of the Hulk himself. Um, here's my next problem. We figure out the Hulk has been the Hulk for, like, two years. And then what finally gets him out of that two-year hulk is the old video of Black Widow. And I've never hated a ship more in my life. <laughs> a cannon ship more in my life. <laughs> um, I have so many issues with the Hulk and Black Widow. And obviously a lot of them are rooted in my feelings about Hawkeye <laughs> and Black Widow. But I just, I was so hoping that the rest of the Marvel creators going forwards were just going to kind of ignore Age of Ultron, which I thought Taika might do because there's that bit in the stadium where Thor, like, pretends, like, kind of acts like Black Widow when he tries to get the Hulk to, like, go back to Bruce. He's like, the sun's getting low, yeah. big guy. And he's, like, smiling and holding out his hand. He's like, yeah, there you go. It's okay. Like, um, which was hysterical, which I love yeah. so much because I'm like, oh. Like, good all the way. Make fun of the bad ones. But then Taika, Taika turns around and is like, here, here you go. And I was like, no, thank you. Put that back. <laughs> I don't want it. No, thank you, sir. I get that. Because... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to I'm gonna squish the curl out of his hair. I'm like, no, thank you. Take it back. Taika has curly hair. That's a joke. Yeah. yeah. I'm well, going to strain it. <laughs> I, I get your problem with that. Because... It just ties back into the muddle they made of Black Widow's arc, and yeah, and and how they seemed for a couple of films to imply not a, seem <laughs> you know a well yeah. I'm just gonna say one thing in Winter Soldier, one of the best Marvel movies ever. She was wearing a necklace with an arrow on it. Yeah, and that's all I'm gonna say. We can move on. There was definitely <laughs> stuff that implied a special connection between those two. And then all of a sudden they gave him, you know, a secret wife and family. It's like, well, where, I, where does that come from? I, I really, so, we can't get into it because we're not going to finish talking about Thor. <laughs> yeah. So I get why that uh, fell 
flat for you. We haven't yet uh, talked about the actual driving force behind the movie from a bad guy point of view is Hella. I think you mean... Did I say Hella? Hecka. Yeah. Heza. Hefala. Hefala. It's, it's Hella. <laughs> I think you mean Galadriel with the ring. Yeah. And all shall love and me all shall and... shall love me and... Despair. And, yeah. That's what it is. And all shall love me and despair. And we all went to the movie and we were like... <gasps> Also, how old is Kate Blanchett? Like, what, like 45, like 50? I don't know. She's ageless. She's great. She, I mean, there's that. <laughs> there's that, that she's a literal elf. But also, like, she just way to kill it. Another problem in Hollywood, but like. That was really fun casting, getting her in that part. And she went at it with gusto. Oh, my God. It's the old, uh, like, secret sibling trope. But here's the thing. I read that Hella in Norse mythology, is actually Loki's daughter. Interesting. Yeah. In the in the real mythology. And see, here's the thing, people. I am mostly comic book ignorant. I haven't read any of these comics. So I don't yeah, know I don't, anything. I'm not a, um, so I don't know if Odin... Comic if If in the person. Marvel universe that they had previously had Hela as Loki's daughter. That's a good question. I have no idea. I have no idea. Because I don't approach them... I just approach the movies as their own thing since I'm not familiar with the comics and I never really go out of my way to learn anything about... But they also... Also, like, the horse Odin rode was, like, also Loki's child. So, like... Mythology. Where do you you draw the line? (laughs) (laughs) You never know what's going to happen. Gods, mythology. The thing is, I really am not bothered by the overused tropes like give me a good like um like wardrobe montage and i'm there for it and i don't really know why (laughs) so the secret sibling thing i'm just like ready i'm like oh my god they have a sibling what's gonna happen and it's like it all has to do with how it's executed and 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 the reason it's one of those things it's like they're tropes because they can be such satisfying story elements that people Mm -hmm. always go back to them and so, you know, it's like the it's like the old joke about, you know, it's cliche, but it's true. You know, it's a cliche because it's true. Yeah. And it's like some of these tropes, it's like, well, there's a reason why people always go back to that. Well, it's because it's it, it's such great drama. So then it comes back to if someone pulls it off or not. In this case, it, it's just a lot of fun. But especially when you're looking at comic books. Mm-hmm. Obviously, comic books are are there. You know, they're like soap operas in a way. There's always going to be all these twists and turns, and mm-hmm. siblings, and duplicates, and evil uh, twins, and you know, all that kind of stuff. One thing that I thought was really effective about that character and the backstory was her talking about how the history had been rewritten. That at a certain point, you know, acknowledging all this stuff that the gods have done. And then at a certain point, Odin was like, well, no, you know, from now on. At a certain point, Odin was like, wait a second. (laughs) Yeah. And then I thought it was so effective when she got to Asgard and she destroyed that uh, mural on the ceiling. And to find out that he had literally covered up (laughs) the history and that there was this whole other depiction of uh, things underneath there where you... You know, that was really <laughs> Shout cool. out to Scourge. <laughs> He's right there with us. He's shook. Uh, okay, what else haven't we talked about so far? 
something huge. The unexplained death of the Warriors 3, the three male warriors that are like Thor's best friend in the first movie and have huge roles oh, in the second movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two of them, Fandral and a dude who looks like Gimli, whose name I can't remember, I'm so sorry, um, are both murdered immediately by Hela with not e there's not even like a lingering shot on them as the life is leaving their bodies. She just stabs them and then is gone with Scourge. And then later, the final dude, Hogan, is like having this huge stand against her yeah. with all the armies of Asgard behind him. And then she murders him and there's not even a shot on him. Like the only other Asgardian characters we know. And like, meanwhile, where is Sif? Nowhere. It doesn't make any sense to uh, me. Unfortunately, with uh, Sif, I read that it was a scheduling thing, that the actor just wasn't available at the right time. But it's still a plot hole. You can't help but wondering where she is. And and yeah, with the Warriors 3, uh, that, that's just really unsatisfying. You know, it didn't strike me as much while I was watching it because there's so much going on. You're entertained or whatever. But especially when the last guy... Because he, Hogan, because Hogan. he actually has a scene. He's like, yeah. I'm not going to let you do this. And then you know, he's like... leading the armies and then he's just gone. And yeah, we're not given a moment. No, literally with, with nothing. The characters. They're, they're just red shirts. It made me so yeah. mad. One part, I feel like the casual Marvel fan barely recognizes them. Yeah. But like, I don't, like, uh, people who are more into it or like people like me who write and or read fan fiction, it's like, you know who those guys are. Everyone knows who they are. I'm mad about it. And rightfully so. Because like, talk about like, they have Valkyrie in this film, which is great, but it's still like Black Widow. You have one good, we have a female villain, which is fun and everything and good to have a strong character like that. But it's a villain. It's different than having a good character who's a woman and like mm -hmm. also like a warder, a warrior, and not your cookie cutter. I'm writing a strong female character. She punches things, <laughs> um, because like yeah. I mean, Valkyrie is interesting like that. You know, she has the past. She's been an alcoholic on <laughs> in on the trash planet forever. She's interesting. Um, Sif. We haven't really gotten to Sif that much, even in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff. So she's, to us right now, she seems a little cookie cutter. You know, she's there for yeah. whatever. She has yeah. a crush on Thor. It's fine. <laughs> there can't ever be more than one, because then we'd actually have two women, and that would be <laughs> too many. We get one shot of, I don't know if you, I noticed this. There's a few women at the um front of the crowd of Asgardians. And when Hela is getting closer to them... They all draw swords out of nowhere. Like, yeah. they're just ready to go, ready yep. to yep. die. And I was like, oh, God bless those ladies in the front right there. <laughs> those extras, I saw you. <laughs> Call me. Um, I'm trying so to So that's think... fun. But, like... I'm trying to remember. I saw a great post on the interwebs. And it was this someone hoping for this team-up of, like, uh, what's-her-name, the Valkyrie character... I think it was the... She's not named. We just... Uh, yeah, I can't remember. If... Everyone's just calling her Valkyrie because she was like scrapper and then a number. Yeah. And then they say you're a Valkyrie and she's she doesn't, she doesn't have a name, which is a different problem with female characters. We can get into it later. It was uh, her and uh, what's her name from Guardians of the Galaxy? Not uh, Nebula. Uhura. <laughs> yeah. And then maybe it was Black Widow. I can't remember. But anyway, they were trying... They were like, let's see a team up of these three... Also, debatably, characters. Nebula has had a similar redemption arc to Loki. Yeah, but... 
But she anyway, she is my fave because, like, shout out to Karen Gillan. They're, they're slowly developing these characters in these different films, and yeah, it would be the, the female I, characters. But Guardians but, of the Galaxy is the only well, and even with Nebula's redemption arc, she's not really good, but she's basically on their side. Yeah. In the last Guardians of the Galaxy movie, and that's the only Marvel movie where there's, I guess you could say, Darcy. Darcy is a character that makes a second. Like strong female, strong good female characters. Well, there's but like, um, um. I'm just. I'm what's her name? So I'm so tired. What's her name? <laughs> That's played by what's her name? Colby Smolder or whatever her wacky name is. Oh, um, Agent. Uh... Agent whatever. <laughs> <laughs> da, da, the Hill, Agent Hill. Anyways, but like. But yeah. She's secondary no. character. Yeah. Important. Yes. But yeah, it's still not the same. Obviously, yeah. Uh, I'm yeah, I'm tired of talking about this. Yeah. Well, Fix and, it. And... Fix it so I don't have to talk about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I want to say about, one thing I noticed about Hela, which I noticed before and to a lesser extent with Loki, but I think it's, it's obvious in this movie, what you said about comic books being comic books mm-hmm. and how they're almost like soap operas. Her helm... Is what I'm going to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, when she kind of like draws her hair back and then mm-hmm. she has like this crazy thing. I really love how Marvel has brought in these comic book elements to the movies. Yeah. Like, yeah. And what I was saying that I noticed before is Loki's helm. Loki has worn his crazy yeah. like horn thing before. And in this movie, Thor finally wore his comic book thing. Did you... Do you know what I'm talking about? No. The helmet thing that he puts on in the stadium mm-hmm. is, like, something that he, like, wears in the comics. Like, that's, ah. like, his thing. That's why there, there's that big shot of him when he, like, puts the, on the side, there's, like, wings that sort of go yeah. down over his ears. And he puts those down and it's like, oh, it's the comic book thing, which I wish I could say better, but I only know <laughs> enough to have recognized it. <laughs> Anyways, I like the, um, dremity, extremity... <laughs> Of um, the outfits is what I'm saying. It looks yeah. the style of the Marvel movies yeah. looks very comic book. Yeah, they've been the em- colors, the actual clothes, and I think it's fantastic. Yeah, they've embraced a lot of that as well, and especially uh, when you get into the things that are a little bit more far out, you know, because when you uh, something like Captain America lends itself to taking more of a real world approach, yeah. but when you start doing like Doctor Strange and Thor, the God of Thunder, when you start getting in all, into that sort of stuff, uh, then you can start embracing some of that uh, comic book stuff a little bit more. Well, and they also, and they tend to have to these... pull off. I mean, yeah. there have been movies... There was a, a Sylvester Stallone version of Judge Dredd decades ago that really tried to... Uh, replicate the comic book look in the film and i just thought it looked ridiculous i just thought it was mm-hmm. you know you know it was just like because it's so exaggerated so uh and uh, i haven't seen you know, there was a carl urban judge dread oh my boy <laughs> but i think in the marvel films that they've done a good job of balancing the comic book look and the real world look to to get a the, the right tone, right sort of down the middle, not too crazy, but still capturing the, uh, the spirit of the comic book costumes. The 
elevator scene right before the get help bit, I actually watched a video where Taika is kind of talking about it, and he said that it was one of the only scenes in the whole movie where the actors were told to stay on script. I think everyone knows that a lot of the movie was improv, and I think that lends itself a lot to the comedy because it's so just like honestly funny but I think it's really interesting that he chose that scene to be one where he wanted them to follow the script so closely just because the interaction between Thor and Loki and their past and I think that scene is one of the really important ones just like as far as where Thor and Loki are yeah. like in just like in their relationship and then it's immediately turned into something hysterical because Thor says, let's do good help. And Loki's like, we're not doing that. <laughs> and I love how Thor goes, do you have a better plan? And Loki, without even missing a beat, goes, no. But it's <laughs> like, still, <laughs> get help, my brother. Oh, my God. I wish Thor would throw me into um, three armed guards and knock them out cold. <laughs> I'd be down. They tend to have these really interesting shots. Even in the movies where it's more true to life, like Winter Soldier, that make it like the screen focuses on something and it's either focusing on something or it's in slow motion or like whatever. But the way it's laid out makes it look like a panel in a comic book. Like the final fight when... um. Thor comes down with the lightning on the like mountain of zombies mm -hmm. um and it's in slow motion and it's just the lightning coming mm -hmm. down to yeah, meet yeah. them like amazing yeah and, well and, and it was <laughs> too I mean, good well that scene is so enjoyable on so many levels you know you've got all this great heroic stuff going on you have the redemption of the scourge character you have the redemption of Loki. Oh my God! Although talk you, about <laughs> you never know when he's going to once again fall and then talk about a redemption and arc. then redeem himself again. But I never thought that they would go this way with Loki, and I'm so happy because I loved him so much. But um, up until now, I don't think he's actually been my favorite character. I think Cap has been my favorite character, yeah. but. After and I said this literally while we were leaving, like we were in the car driving back from Ragnarok, and I was like, I think Loki is my favorite <laughs> character in the entire MCU. I don't think anybody beats him for me. And um, I don't know how much of that is rooted on just me loving like Tom Hiddleston as a person in general. Um, and his Loki specifically, like, would I love Loki as much if somebody else were playing him? Like, well, that's a question I don't want to answer, but <laughs> here we are, and I think he's my favorite character. In the entire universe. <laughs> With Cap at such a close second. Yeah. But also, I just love all of them too much to even rank them. You know? Yeah, there's there's a lot of likable characters. Especially after Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, because they really... I'm really loving Tony lately. So like that lady on Parks and Rec who's like, it's the new thing. Cow milk. <laughs> It's like, I'm really loving, it's this new thing, I'm really loving Iron Man. <laughs> we haven't talked about just, like, our favorite, like, lines, like, our favorite bits. Because <laughs> there's some... My favorite some bit... gold. I, would, I mean, I would have to see it again, but I'll, I'll say two things. One was 
a uh, prolonged period of silence with facial expressions <laughs> from Jeff Goldblum, where he says, you know, uh, someplace else I would be like, you know, 62,000 years old or whatever he says. I can't remember. And he says, but, but here, and he pauses <laughs> and he, the, the, it's built so that you expect that he's going to say something more. Oh my God. But he never lets the other shoe drop. And instead it just turns into this long shot of him pulling a bunch of gold bloom faces. Oh man. And that was brilliant. And then also just, just about anything that was said by the, the rock character, Korg. He's hilarious. So what were your favorite bits? Um. Oh, my God. Talk about Korg. When he's talking to Thor for the first time <laughs> in Thor, <laughs> he's just talking and he's talking about, like, how he tried to lead a revolution and it didn't work. And then Thor <laughs> just starts running away from him. <laughs> but then just comes back and he's like, wait, I just, what just happened? And he's like... Oh yeah, man, it's like a circle, but it's like a freaky circle. <laughs> and you start talking. It's so funny. Yeah, but well, and it's 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 the it's the great like thing. It's like a circle man here, but it's like a freaky circle. It's the 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 contrast of you know he's such a giant, and then brutal he's, and then looking then character, and Taika then, has such a soft voice, and, he has a soft and then the kind accent of, that he yeah. gives him is so and, funny, and it's, and it's also underplayed and straight, and just kind of, and it just makes it that much oh, more funny. Oh my yeah. god. Okay, let's just let's just go through the movie chronologically. Let's talk about every scene. Just kidding. There's gold in every scene of the movie. Let's start with um, Loki pretending to be Odin, and when he sees Thor, and he just like swears and like has to get up, and yeah. he's like still kind of acting like this old man, but he has to be like, oh, like my son, and then. He reveals himself to be Loki, which is hilarious in itself because everyone like gasps and he's like, it's like, it's like, he's just like, everyone please chill. But then like Scourge finally gets there and he says, presenting Thor. And Loki goes, no, you had one (laughs) job. You had one job. And you realize why he was like, wait, I have to announce here. I'm supposed to announce you. Like there was an actual bit behind that. Yeah. The expression on Loki's face when he sees Thor for the first time after they fall out of the Bifrost. <laughs> like he, <laughs> like Thor goes, Loki. And he turns and I've, I don't, <laughs> like I've never seen Tom Hiddleston in a role that's so completely comedic, but his facial expressions, it's some of the funniest comedic acting I've like ever seen. Honestly, like, I was busting out laughing just at his expressions so much. And then later, when they've got Loki all chained up, and somebody is like, is he actually a threat? Like, is he gonna hurt us? Like, he's your brother, right? And Thor's like, one time when we were little, (laughs) he turned into a snake, and he knows that I love snakes, so I went to pick up the snake to admire it, and he turned back into himself, and he was like, boo, it's me, and then he stabbed me. We were eight. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) It was funny and and true to the characters and uh, illuminated their sibling relationship. Uh, One of the big elements of this story was the passing of Odin and and how that uh, sort of uh, unleashes Hela, but also the sort of uh, touching scene then between him and his two sons where he treats them equally because obviously Loki has all these sort of issues. Well, and also I think you could really argue that Odin 
didn't treat them equally. Like, obviously, Loki feels as though he's always been the lesser. No, oh, no I, I meant in that scene. Oh, yeah, in that scene, because he says, like, there's a part, there's a part where he says, my sons. Yes. Or he says, like, my son directly to Loki, directly about Loki, and the look on Loki's face is amazing. Yeah, there's obviously been a very complicated past there for, for a variety of reasons, some being Loki's fault because of who he is, but others just being from the complexity of the uh him being the uh like mortal enemy <laughs> oh my god but adopted as a child and all that sort of stuff so there's a you know and, and then obviously the rivalry that has been between him and thor through their whole lives i read i read somebody's headcanon which i think must be true or close to true that um loki and thor were raised as twins and that would explain why Freya was only pregnant once, obviously, with Thor. It would explain why Loki felt like he had such a claim to the throne when Odin keeps calling Thor his firstborn. Mm-hmm. Because if they were the same age, of course Loki would be like, um, why aren't I getting all the same like training that he is to be king? Like, we're yeah. equals. Um, it would explain a lot of his stuff. Um, it's honestly just pretty freaking adorable. <laughs> and it would also explain um, the bit when Thor tells a story about Loki turning into a snake, and then he says, we were eight. Yeah. He doesn't say, I was eight. He doesn't say, Loki was eight. He says, yeah. we were eight. I love them so much. I just need more of Loki. After this movie, man, I forgot how good Tom Hiddleston is as Loki. <laughs> He's amazing. I Actually, I read a post on Dumber today, and it was like... I loved Thor Ragnarok, but I was just gripped with a visceral fear during the entire movie because I knew that I would come back to Tumblr after this and it would be just as bad as in 2012 with the obsession with Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> Everyone's going to love Tom Hiddleston. 2012 to 2014 on this website was only Tom Hiddleston and I can't handle that. And I was like, I can't. Bring it back. <laughs> all Tom Hiddleston all the time. Throw in a little Benedict Cumberbatch. And then you have all the cheekbony white British guys you need. So <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> oh my gosh, we haven't talked about Doctor Strange. No. Good cameos. Like, well, and I didn't even, because I do my thing where I watch like one or two of the first trailers and then I stop. Don't watch anything. Don't want to see anything. Try my best without completely freaking myself out to not see anything before I go into the movie. Um, so this is something that managed to go completely over my head i didn't remember there's a scene one of the after credit scenes um after dr strange is him with thor is the scene where thor is drinking the ale and i didn't remember it so i didn't expect it even when i saw the portal opening below loki Nowhere in my head was like, was I like, oh, it's Doctor Strange. I was just like, oh, I wonder who's taken Loki. Like, let's go find <laughs> out. Um, so I was shook. Um, I already made the joke about loving Benedict Cumberbatch, so I love Doctor Strange. Um, that was so great. And then <laughs> Loki, <laughs> I've been falling for 30 minutes. <laughs> Oh my gosh, when they're fighting Hela for the first time and she breaks Mjolnir, takes one step towards them, and Loki looks up and goes, Take us back! 
<laughs> like he knows. He's like, we're not ready. But then that was their greatest mistake. Dun dun dun. Because Hella gets in the Bifrost, and they, and then she's like, <laughs> go to garbage world. <laughs> oh man. Oh my gosh. And when they go to Norway, when Doctor Strange first opens the portal, it's only because. Like, Loki gets mad at him and literally, like, pulls a knife out of his suit and just, like, goes at him. And Dr. Strange is like, okay, like, bye, you're done. <laughs> like, like he's a little kid having a temper tantrum. Also, I think it's just pretty hysterical that Thor's like, okay, like, put on some Midgard clothes. And Loki puts on an all-black suit. Like, black <laughs> suit, black tie, black shirt. Hilarious honestly. Another thing that I thought was interesting about the film, I read a little bit online that it turns out that Chris Hemsworth knew the director beforehand, Taika Waititi. Because all the most awesome people in Hollywood know each other. Yeah, and so I'm uh, looking at a uh, story on Vogue as I'm uh, speaking here, and so it says... Though they were friends before the cameras started rolling, let's see, Hemsworth said, when his name was on the short list of directors, I called him up and said, how do we play this? <laughs> we both decided that it would be best if I didn't intervene and just let his work speak for itself. He got the job for all the right reasons. And so that was pretty cool. That's like a, that that's they... such a pure friendship. Well, what I because like about Chris it. could have been like, Hire him, he'll be the best. Um, be, saying honestly that he's the best dude for the job, but then Tycho wouldn't have gotten it just because of yeah. the fact that he's a fantastic director. He would have gotten it because Chris said so. Yeah, and I love them. So it's really cool, but it's it's really interesting that they basically, I mean, they rolled the dice and they hoped mm -hmm. that he would get the gig. Yeah. But it's possible that someone else might have ended up getting the gig from the shortlist. But l luckily. <laughs> Taika got the job then they really went about looking at fresh ways that they could approach these characters but and like I said before to to me it 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 felt like although there was a certain amount of reinvention taking them in different ways it still didn't seem to like throw out everything before it's like I still felt that they were these characters yeah. you know Thor was still Thor Oh, definitely, definitely. Banner was still Banner, yeah. but they, Banner, Banner they, they was let them play with the honestly, characters in ways. In, in, in new like, ways. the most in character. Like, he's just an anxious wreck the whole time. And yeah. It's like, that's Banner. Like, same, <laughs> dude. You're just a nervous nerd. <laughs> Where do you think Marvel goes from here? Is this an outlier until the next straight comedy? Where, like, how do they use these characters going forwards? What is the next Avengers movie going to be like with this ship heading to Earth with Loki on it? I think the next films are not going to be comedies. I think they'll get back to... No, the... it has to be dark. It has to be dark. Yeah, can... it'll, it'll get back to the more standard tone where it's, uh, you know, fairly straight within the context of a comic book hero movie uh, with comedic sort of snarky references. I think it'll, especially when you get into the, you know, Infinity War stuff, it's got to be yeah, pretty serious yeah. stuff. And so 
But well, I, I, everyone's I, saying that Cap is going to die, but that's so old. And, uh, well, yeah, and that's quite possible. Um, so I think, as I mentioned earlier, I think what they need to do is to continue, in the broader picture, continue playing with different tones so that you have ones that are more serious, you have ones that are more funny, you have ones in between, and, and just, you know, play around a little bit now. You know, they've, they've, they haven't lost momentum. It's, it's really kind of, uh, in, in the films at least, I've been a little concerned with some of the television efforts thinking that, man, they're just starting to spread too thin. they Me got too. too much Me stuff too. going on. But the films have, overall, you know, Age of Ultron was a bit of a stumble, but they've bounced back from that. You have to avoid them being too similar. And because they're already the facing the challenge of having so much tied together. I mean, like with the Infinity Stones and and, and stuff, they've gotten trapped into being a little bit too interconnected sometimes because... They've forced scenes yeah. into other films. I mean, what was that thing with Thor th- like thrashing around in that puddle? Oh, when oh the fan service scene that, that dream sequence or Where vision he sequence gets in or the cave pond. Yeah, it's like that scene had no business in the movie it was in. It was and and they they wedged it in there because they were thinking of you know the continuity down the road, and you know the, this this film Ragnarok was able to pick up threads from the movies and have it all just flow together pretty nicely. I liked the shot of uh, when uh, Loki goes to uh, get that helmet fired up to bring on the destruction of Asgard to defeat Oh my Hela, god. But he walks by and he looks he down at the little pauses. tesseract thing That's, there. I was going to mention that. He's kind of like, hmm. Do you think that he stole it? Oh, yeah, definitely. You think he's got it? I think he's got it. <laughs> you think he's got it tucked away? And I know that this is his, a big, his leathers. You know, this is, yeah, this is what people are debating online. I, I think he had to take it. I mean, how could he I not? think, and here's the thing, I don't even know if I would he's blame still him. Because he's like, we're literally about to destroy Asgard. Everything here yeah. is going to get blown to pieces. Yeah. To dust. So, so what's stopping him? One of the things that I'm looking forward to once we get to Infinity War is I'm kind of hoping that after this first big whole phase is over and we get through infinity war that maybe looking further ahead beyond that that maybe the films aren't as interrelated as far as yeah you know you're still going to have been leading up it's been leading up to infinity war forever literally since the first yeah and i think that there should always be interconnections that stuff that happens to the characters in one film is going to follow into other films that you'll you'll see consequences but you don't necessarily have to be having some sort of meta arc that's on the you know that's running through all of them because that's a, a lot of balls they have in the air. A lot of things are trying to balance, and that's what I'm looking for going forward. What about you? I love this movie. I'd love to see more Marvel comedies. But as far as the next couple of movies, we have Black Panther. I think that's going to be our usual Marvel action with some snark. Um, yeah. It's gonna be freaking fantastic! I can't I'm wait. I'm so excited for Black Panther. I'm so so excited. many reasons to be excited for Black Panther. Yeah, I do think Infinity War is gonna be dark. I'm very worried about the possibility of Cap dying, yeah. and then I think that's a very real. It's a real possibility. Yeah, because eventually, 
you, like you need to keep stuff interesting okay like yeah. they can't all live through every movie whether or not um my son has to die is a different question <laughs> marvel we'll see i am kind of hoping i don't know what i don't know anything at all about the infinity stone stuff in the comics we know that there's a bunch of them literally i can't even remember the name of chris pratt and guardians of the galaxy star lord Let's say Star Lord. So Star Lord I has. I can't remember his personal name. Oh, yeah. More than one. He has a or just one. I, I think he has I the think one. They just so Star Lord has one. There's only six or something, isn't there? Five or, or five? six. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know anything. I I whenever I stumble around on comic book knowledge, I imagine that somewhere Alan Kissler is cursing my name. Oh, he is. He definitely is. We're that, like that, we... that. He he just has like Spidey sense to say oh. The Generations Geek people are showing their complete comic book ignorance. <laughs> oh my god. There's a disturbance it's, in the force. I'm, listen, if they were better, I would read them. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. We, we have to have Kistler back on the show. and I just, we can talk about comic books again sometime, no but... No holds barred. I'm not seeing authors <laughs> and artists take advantage of the comic book for format enough oh, for me boy, to want oh, to read boy, it oh boy anytime i read a comic book i'm like this would be better as a novel <laughs> like i'm sorry <laughs> i appreciate okay this is a, another tangent if and we... i'm just i have to say now because that was such a huge insult <laughs> to every comic book artist ever i have to say that i hate email after this one i appreciate comic books so much because they're one of the true like American art forms. Okay, and you, and you have this is loved something some. I do. I love Matt Fraction's very run few. On Matt the... Fraction's Hawkeye changed the entire way I look at comic books forever. But I have a lot of feelings about things that actually started in America: jazz, comic books, chicken McNuggets. Oh God, <laughs> not chicken. Anyways, jazz, comic books. Stuff that is something that's actually American and not something that's a... It's a melting pot or it's a it's something we took from somebody else. It's actually American. So for that reason, I love comic books and will always love comic books. I'm also a nerd. So I love comic books because of that. I know the good artists are out there and I'm waiting. So please tag me on Twitter. Um, at Gondor Gold. You can come for me. Um, anyways, <laughs> Star-Lord has one, um, Doctor Strange has one, we think Loki has one. I think Thanos has one? That's the name? That's his name, right? Because, yeah, he's been trying to gather them together. I think he has one. So here's my question. Is there gonna be a bit in Infinity War where it's like, oh, we need all of them, but we're missing one? Where's the Tesseract? And Thor is like, it was on Asgard, it's gone. And then Loki's like... Uh, um, actually, <laughs> um, that <Thor>. could be <laughs> because uh, uh, I'm living for it. Honestly, <laughs> like. <laughs> okay, that's what we recorded right after getting home from the late night premiere, and now let's bring in Ella, skyping from London, for a little epilogue. Woo! <laughs> so, it's our last episode. That I forced us to record the night of the premiere because I was, it was, it was love at first sight. 
for me and Thor Ragnarok. So I think the most interesting thing coming back to the lost episode is listening to what we thought was going to happen next. What we were expecting out of Black Panther, out of Infinity War, where they were going to go with the Infinity Stones. So how do you feel about your uh, predictions? We did okay. We did okay. <laughs> um, I My feelings about Infinity War are so uh, overshadowed by Loki dying because I just want to cry the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we both, of course, figured that Loki was going to yes. have the Infinity yes. Stone. And we know him. We know. Well, you were hoping that there would be a scene where Thor would say, but the other Infinity Stone was on Asgard and got destroyed. And then Loki would be kind of mm-hmm. like, mm. and that's pretty much what happened in Infinity War. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, then. So were you satisfied you know. where it was finally revealed that he had the Tesseract? No. I no. mean, <laughs> <laughs> that first scene is, I think, the weakest scene in Infinity War. That first, especially for Loki, it seems completely out of character. It's the dumbest move he's ever made. It's similar to uh, uh, what we talked about, how unsatisfying the deaths of the Warriors 3 were. Because you weren't given enough time to uh, sort of process. But but their deaths were in character. We, we, listen, I'm bitter. (laughs) In both cases they rushed through death scenes where it would have been more satisfying to have more time to grieve, to reflect before you moved on. Sure. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So in the intervening time, uh, since the seeing Ragnarok on the premiere and now how many times have you rewatched it? A lot. I literally, like, last week, I was getting ready. I was, like, doing my makeup to go see, like, one of the Spice Girls DJ. And instead of, like, listening to Beyonce, like a normal 21-year-old girl, I was, like, watching Thor Ragnarok. Like, yeah! (laughs) (laughs) So, obviously, if you're watching it over and over and over, you just love it even more than on first viewing. I mean, you enjoyed it on first viewing. I do. Viewing. I love. I love that movie. I don't think you necessarily loved it on first viewing. You liked it, but you were still kind of like like a lot of people. We were getting used to the idea of I mean, such a comedic entry in the Marvel. Did MCU. I, I? But that's the first time also that I've ever been like we that I've like made us record night of coming home. Before usually we'll plan. We're like, oh, we'll go see yeah. it. We'll record Ragnarok. We were like, oh, we'll go see it. And then at like 2 a.m., I was like, set up the mics. So, yeah, you like... <laughs> were excited to get going. Yeah. I'm ready. No, um, it's because uh, Tequititi is just such a gift. He is such a talented man. And he really just bestowed Ragnarok upon us. <laughs> it showed you can do more with the Thor character. And it's obviously going to influence the character in all the rest of the films. As long as they keep making Thor films... With Hemsworth, he'll he'll be able to be a, a a broader kind of character, more more complex instead of the kind of one note "I'm a god, I'm a god" kind of thing. Yes. Um. So most people, most of the people that I talk to that don't like Ragnarok, they say like, "Oh, like Thor is so out of character. The whole thing is just like, so like it's bad." And I'm like, "But he's really not though. Like it's a really small jump from Thor in Dark World to Thor in Ragnarok, and especially from like." Because, like, I see if Ragnarok had been the second movie, if it had been a jump from, like, Thor to Ragnarok, and we see that, it, yeah. that would be totally out of 
I agree. And remember, there's movies between Dark World and Ragnarok. It's not just like we jump yeah. from Dark World to Ragnarok. He's with the Avengers. He's, you know, at those parties talking to Cap's, like, ancient veteran friends in Stark Tower. Like, he's really, like, he's progressed as a yeah. character. Like, this is, to me, a normal, a normal, you're watching a normal person grow. Yeah. And so by Ragnarok, he's, like, been dumped. He's come back, like he's ready, and he just is like a goofball, and I yeah. love it. I think it's very Thor. There, there may be some scenes missing that would have made it seem smoother, but I don't think it's an unbelievable transition. It's just a transition that maybe we didn't see all the steps because of the nature of big time movie making, where you have to spend more time showing people fighting <laughs> than sitting around yeah. chatting. And also just like. In Age of Ultron, we don't get, there's not time to see him just like lounging around because they're busy fighting Ultron. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. we're not seeing, like you said, we're not seeing that character development, but like he's hanging out with like Stark all the time, right? And like Sam and Rhodey. Like, these are not serious, like, people, you know, like <laughs> yeah. he's learning from Stark's humor, like he's learning from Sam and. I mean, just, like, there's a line in the Avengers that is, like, kind of dumb but makes me laugh every time. And it's, like, one of the first things Stark says to Thor, he just, like, looks at him and he goes, Doth Mother know you weareth her drapes? (laughs) (laughs) Just, like, every time I just, like, start laughing, it's, like, that's the guy that Thor is hanging out with. It's like the original Star Trek series. They did episodes that were out-and-out comedy episodes. They did episodes that were horror episodes. Uh, and I think that having the variation in tone is a good thing, especially the more you build. I mean, we're at, what, 21 movies now, and they're just going to keep going? Oh, God. Yeah. It's like you, you have to shake things up. You, you can't just have them all have the same tone, the same beats. And so it's great to bring in these different directors and get those different tones that'll just keep the... Overall, it'll keep the series healthier to to have those variations. Oh, definitely, definitely. That's all the time we have for this episode. Tune in next time for episode 54, The Plays the Thing, when Ella Skypes in from London to tell us about seeing Martin Freeman, Charlie Cox, and Tom Hiddleston performing on stage and other geeky adventures in the U.K., Remember that Generations Geek is part of the Chronic Riff Network, which broadcasts from below a trapdoor stage right. Please give their other fine podcasts a listen at chronicrift.com. Thanks for listening, and come back next time. No geeks were harmed in the making of this podcast. Ooh, shiny.